I came of age in LA. You know, I, came, I came, became a teenager. I, I went to all ages discos in the 70s, you know, in various scenes in the 80s and 90s. Even, even if I hardly know it sometimes, I, I still feel it. This is Five Places, Los Angeles, a living documentary of the city produced by the LA Forum for Architecture and Urban Design. I'm Emmanuel Bourlier, and in each episode, I ask one interviewee about the five places that define Los Angeles for them. Before we jump in, I want to mention that we've been running a listener survey, and we appreciate all the candid feedback that helps us improve the show. We'd love to hear from more of you and have included the link to the survey in the show notes. Today, I'm excited to share our second Plus One interview. In each episode, I ask our guest to choose someone whom they in turn would like to ask about their five places, and those interviews are released as Plus Ones. Artist and author Lisa Teasley, whom I interviewed in episode five, chose performance artist Ron Athey as her Plus One. Ron Athey is a Los Angeles-based, self-taught artist performing since 1981's premature ejaculation noise action collaboration with the late Roz Williams. Athey came into his own, forming a performance troupe in the 90s, making works that toured internationally and addressed the HIV-AIDS crisis in ritualistic, philosophical, and mythological stage scenes. In 1998, Athey began making solo work, premiering at Galleria Cappellica Ljubljana, onwards through 20 cities until the pivotal undercover surrealism show at the Hayward Gallery in London in 2006. Since then, Athi has moved between solos, opera collaborations, and video. Two monographs have been printed on Intellect Press, Pleading in the Blood 2013 and Queer Communion 2021. For Ron's full bio and links to all the places and people he references, please check out the show notes. For Lisa Teasley's full bio and interview, please check out episode five. Here is Lisa interviewing Ron. <laughs> it took me a while. <laughs> Karen's studio. <laughs> oh, how beautiful. Yeah, it's just her colorful. Yes. In the back, yeah. Lovely, lovely. <laughs> so are you ready? I'm ready-ish. Ready? <laughs> I've had my head cast today, so I'm like dingy. Oh, wow, I see. Is this for the show? Yeah, we're, we're making kind of mannequin heads for to display headgear on. Fabulous. Look at your beautiful work back there. Lovely. <laughs> so it's a very old painting of Rudy. Oh, lovely. Rudy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember him. <laughs> okay, so how long have you lived in LA? First of all, I consider LA a region mm -hmm. more than a city. So I'm from Pomona and I've been, I was born on a submarine base in Connecticut, but my whole family were born in Pomona and um, my mother was born in Hemet. So we're very Southern California and for a few generations. So right. yeah, I've, I've seen it. I came of age in LA you know, I, came, I came, became a teenager. I, I went to all ages discos in the 70s, you know, in various scenes in the 80s and 90s. Even, even if I hardly know it sometimes, I, I still feel it. So who came first to Southern California? Your grandparents? If so, um, what brought them here? 
Yeah, my uh, my family's pretty um, grapes or wrath, <laughs> sort of dust bowl refugees. They came yeah. to um, Hemet in the 30s, and then my grandfather um, started doing construction work and got a job at building Harvey Mudd College at the Claremont Colleges. Oh, wow. And so under the GI Bill, got a house in Pomona, which is, you know, due south of there by three miles. So, right. yeah, we lived in the south end of Pomona all of my life that I lived at home. Right, right. <laughs> so um, describe the five places in L.A. that define the city for you. Ooh, that define the city. I, I could start with some survival spots, like um, living in downtown LA on almost no money in the days when um, Grand Central Market was like day-old bread, yes. um, veg and dairy and things on their last leg. So you could you spend a fiver and have days of lunches and dinners there. So right. um, I, I still, I like the food court. I, you know, you can still get different mole paste there to go, or you can sit down and have a um, shrimp, shrimp taco or something, you know, something fancy. I, I did queue up for the egg slut sandwich okay. once. <laughs> so, um, let's see, I'm going to have to count it out. That's, that's one that's, that's one. in different ways. I don't, I don't want to just cry about every spot. I'm, Griffith Park was always my spot to walk, yeah. to cruise, to, to, to bicycle, to run. Yeah. I had so many practices there. And I think, you know, I was actually, I was always surprised that it was always empty in the seven, yeah. you know, like the 80s. There's never anyone there until um, at some point where everybody got a designer dog that needed walking. <laughs> and that sort of took the privacy away. <laughs> of the the um, outdoor wonderland for right. shenanigans yeah it's still amazing how you can suddenly end up on the valley side and see like oh there's an archery range and you know it's just always full of surprises besides things like the zoo and the autry museum on one end that you don't expect as much as um ferndale yeah i had i had some summer summer outings here this year so that's my park out of all of them. Right. I was just there on Wednesday and ran into Mark Steiger. Okay, yay. We have a date as well next week to have a walk there. Well, a Lovely. Walk yes. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, there's the John Retchie stories that take place there. And I have seen him there, like, with baby oil on, laying on a lounge chair. <laughs> True to oneself. <laughs> and he lives on Los Feliz Boulevard. I went to a, a writer group at his house there. So I kind of know where historic people live. And then to not stay in L.A., I, I think um, Huntington Library and Gardens has always been a, a very um, important spot for me. Both, you know, I'm a, you know I, I love the garden. And yeah. in the garden, the most I love are the succulents. And yeah. I don't know if anywhere rates. Like, like their cactus garden, you know, 120 year old barrel cactus, you know, this Brazilian cactus that are taller than a skyscraper. Blended, uh, you know, right now is a good time to see the aloes blooming. They have aloe trees, uh, you know, every form of aloe. And, and then imagine like old Pasadena, like, yeah, I remember Old Town Pasadena before it was redone and we all bought um, vintage clothes for like $5 a piece yeah. way back in the, 
new romantic <laughs> sort of dress up, <laughs> dress up days where you needed a red felt jacket and a ruffled shirt and right, gloves. Right. <laughs> that was Pasadena, yes. but, but particularly the, the Huntington, I remember, you know, different points in my life somehow. If I ever felt kind of like spooky about what was going on in my life or the world, like a walk through the garden zone, a sit in the library, you know, the, for me a little bit, I always thought it was really kind of uppity and posh at the same time. So the Octavia Butler archives are there and, and the projects, including Linnell's that sprang out of that. Yes. Is, I, guess, I guess I would just have to include my neighborhood that I complain about, Silver Lake, the Sunset Junction, and how much of my life, you know, happened or was accentuated or intersection there from... Um, Tabasco's, which had Club Fuck, um, Cliff's Edge that had the Disco 3626 and later Being Alive, Aid Service Center, right. different like bookstore used to be at the junction right there. There'd be like 200 people for an obscure lesbian reading, yeah. you know, when everyone read back then. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess it, it's hard to make a list when um, LA changes so much. And um, the- That's so true. Main fear of COVID for me is that, you know, we're losing places like um, Pacific Dining Car that was open 24 hours a day, 99 years. Yes. Is now gone. I used to go to the Catch One and have blueberry pancakes at six in the morning. So I kind it's of crashed. It's gone. Your birthday last year was there. Yes. <laughs> wow. I didn't realize it was gone. And that was, you know, there, you know, it's just you'd walk in and see like the Cardinal having a meal with, you know, a city council person or whatever. You know, it's always a little bit mobstery. And I went to a James Elroy book release there where they had like, you know, cubes of steak on toothpicks as yeah. the d'oeuvre. Just, like, you know, loveliness like that. Of, yeah. Old school, that was the spot to hit. Right, right, <laughs> right. So COVID... Of the other places that you talked about, downtown, how is how has COVID affected it for you? I think now places are just starting to close, and I don't want the fanfare. I'm I'm going to be you know curious to see what can survive. Um, I, I have a friend with a shop, not here, but in San Francisco. But he had he spent his savings paying rent for six months. And then, then they partially open, so it's just hanging on. Then that's a body piercing shop. You know, it's it's very niche. Like it, it, there's no need to get a piercing if there's nowhere to show off. You know, there's things that are linked to to life being on. I mean, sure, we'll have some good pop up shops. Um, hopefully, with all the um, empty storefronts, people do things like um, I don't know DIY galleries. Yeah, galleries that aren't paying $20,000 a month rent are up so they don't have to be mega commercial. I think right. we could have a breather. If only we could cancel the Olympics, you know, in 2028. Yeah. That's the last thing LA needs. If, if anything's gained from COVID nightmares and people's misfortunes of, be, of losing businesses, of being evicted, right. that if all that's going to do is open it up for business people to hog up property, prepping to cash in on 2028, Right. right. I, can a city with this many homeless people really have host the Olympics? I I, I don't think I don't think we 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 should be allowed that. 
We shouldn't. You know, and it's one of the only regulators that property can't just go up. It has to come down at some point. And this is right. the only things that also affects um, people in the lower income realm is that, wow, what if we paid 30% less rent again? And what if um, we could have work studios for just, a, you know, I remember all those storefronts even on Sunset around Silver Lake and Echo Park were like 200 a month. Yes. So if you were down on your luck, you could still have a kind of horse bath shower in the back room if you didn't have an ensuite. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And over here, there's a lot, a lot of spaces for rent, for lease. The house across the street just went up for sale, you know, a couple of weeks ago. It's, you know, yeah, LA is really, really changing. Yeah, and, and everyone that can't come up with rent, surely everyone can't be evicted. Like it's gonna be. That's right. So we, we did a bicycle from Silver Lake to Venice up to Santa Monica and through Beverly Hills. So that was quite a array of terrain. You saw so much of the city. Yeah, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And the, so what boulevards did you take? So we took, um, you know, kind of skirted down Koreatown. Fourth Street is a bicycle lane all the way to the other side of Hancock Park. So right. we took that and then went down kind of parallel to Highland, all, yeah. all the way back to um, Venice and then across the boardwalk up. <laughs> yeah. Santa Monica across, but then I couldn't, um, you know, Santa Monica becomes little Santa Monica, especially like in Beverly Hills where You'd be on the highway if you, you know, bicycle doesn't belong on regular Santa Monica. So somewhere in Beverly Hills, kind of by this the city hall building. Yeah. But then when it comes back together, I, I made a missed call and we were like stuck on San Vicente. So I was like, how are we at Wilshire yeah. again? Yeah, yeah. So then I'd added another few miles. You know, I'm a new bicyclist. One week I've done three trips and I'm already going to the beach. So. That's kind of exciting. I don't have a car and I'm really mad at Uber and Lyft for the Proposition 22. And now if you call them, it's like, like I had to take a car today with a lot of equipment. Yeah. I, mean, I take Uber because I can't, in the long run, I think I can afford to go around LA more. Also, I'm a bit of a marijuana stoner, so I don't really right. want to drive since I lived in England. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, wow, you know, the, this, this life did kind of increase LA, but to convince all the workers that they don't have a right to have rights, that they're just an app, an app-based yeah. freelancer. It's like, wow, okay, we really are that sad in this country. But I remember <laughs> the years ago when you were on your bike, um, well, when you were at the Weekly. Yeah. Taking your bike there every day, but that was a much shorter ride, but still you were. I, I did, like with Juan, sometimes in that era, we'd, we'd ride to the beach and the same thing, eat at Versailles on the way back. <laughs> but um, yeah, now there are much more bike lanes in the 90s. Yeah. Or the, there are zeros, you know, much more. So yeah, you can, it kind of maps you out. So you eventually end up back. So not so scary. I did go to the Citadel. Do you know the Citadel? Yeah. And, it's like where East LA feels like it's going to turn into Orange County. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that was scarier, like doing um, Sunset is fine. And Cesar Chavez didn't have lanes. And then 
Whittier yeah. Boulevard was probably the most scary for feeling like cars are like skinning you almost. Right, right. Well, I wouldn't repeat that same exact route again, but I, I feel better because I don't know, it has been a lot of trapped inside. And um, I don't know, I'm wearing the proper helmet gear and, and the mask actually kind of feels good in the kind of windy air and grit and stuff that you're riding through, so. So then who, who would you ask, who would you interview about LA? Who would be your number one choice? Maybe I would, I would think about somebody like Rita who has a real downtown life. Yeah. And, so, um, you know, has promoted and been part of the different music scenes. That's one, yeah. I know, I feel like I, you know, the years I was a journalist, like, you know, actually like people like Mike Davis would come in with the, yeah. the story. So that I feel like, you know, reading City of Quartz with oh, yeah. contact with the person, that was kind of a, a, a treasure to look like that. I also, um, I always get inspiration from um, from Linnell George, how much she loves LA and her um, her book of photographs and, and right. snippet was right. also um, really nice. I, I know I do try to find people who are passionate about LA to, right. to talk about. It's, it's easy to hate everywhere, and I I, I did think um, a, a real signature LA person is somebody with no civic pride. Like we, you know, the Y2K, they shined a laser light at the Hollywood sign for like three minutes. <laughs> like we didn't build anything. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't even get that paranoid about the computer crash. It was just kind of like yeah. Y2K, whatever. Um, <laughs> I think it, yeah, civic pride is important to LA. We don't need a theme song. We don't need a coffee mug. <laughs> <laughs> But we, we just need to pay a little less for things so we can just go back to being like, what on earth? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, during my interview, I brought up Mike Davis and Linnell as well in their book, yeah. City of Court. Our little L.A. passion. Yeah. Passion yeah, I'm interested in the histories surrounding L.A. coming from, you know, Pomona is kind of the gateway to the Inland Empire. And, right. You know, just the histories out there. Um, even that, you know, this time of year, like my, my friend Tanya Hamidi, she she has an organic date business oh, based really? at a Joshua Tree. Yeah. So I some dates from her and I try to tell her because my family w was from Hemet and that's adjacent to date growing country. Yeah. Um, so all of our Christmas, everything was date based, like even like kind of divinity fudge was like white fudge made with dates. Um, right. Um, kind of cakes and things they were all sweetened with dates and date sugar yeah so i do think like those are kind of interesting re regional things as well as the scary things like the hell's angels going to fontucky in the late 40s and starting the amphetamine trade in california and why we've always been such a tweaker right, a tweaker right. state it was a imported biker business you know using right. eventually using the Nazi recipe in German for crystal methamphetamine. Oh, um, wow. And then, of course, the places like Zizix, where the spa was at the, you know, an entire 120 years ago, people went there with like deep arthritis to soak in these hot sodium bicarbonate springs. Yeah. And the, the ruins are still there around by um, the Cal State system as a de desert observation center or something but 
I, I want to use it to film something. I'm going to try to chisel my way into Zizix. That would be great. And reportedly, my great aunties from the Hemet San Jacinto days um, worked those Palm Springs spas, which meant desert mm -hmm. hot springs spas of doing body work, which of course I, I do as one of my side hustles. Oh, I didn't know Therapeuticness, the snake oil, the new religions, the cults, est, things that contributed to California thinking anyway, whether or not these movements were all that in and of themselves, has still endlessly fascinated in that. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see you soon, love. Looking forward to it, Sarah. To learn more about Ron's work and the people and places mentioned in this conversation, please check out the show notes. To hear more stories of the places that define Los Angeles, please subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the show, you can make a real impact by giving us a rating, a review, or sharing it with a friend. And if you'd like to share your thoughts about what you like or what we could do better, we've included a link to a listener survey in the show notes. Five Places is produced by Anneli Garakani, Quinn Wynn, and me, Emmanuel Bourlier, for the LA Forum for Architecture and Urban Design. We recorded on Chumash, Tongva, and Mekinakan land. Thank you for listening. <laughs>